Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Life in a Leo. I'm your host, Rebecca Dengrove. Thanks for joining me today. This is episode 40, and I have such a great interview for you. Coincidentally, we timed this just right to coincide with National Letter of Intent Signing Week. You guys told me you wanted to learn more about the college recruiting process. Well, Jill Hicks is the expert and definitely the person you want guiding you through this process. Jill started her business in 2012, and it's called Jill Hicks Consulting. This is a bit of a longer episode because there is just so much to cover. So let's get right into it. Hi, today I am with Jill Hicks on Life in a Leo. Jill, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Part of the reason I wanted to reach out to you is because I put it out on Instagram um, to get a sense of what topics people wanted to hear on the podcast. And one of the things that kept coming up again was people wanted to better understand college recruiting. And I didn't know who else to go to but you. And fortunately, you were excited to join me on the show. And so here we are today. (laughs) Perfect. I'm excited to share with you all. There's so much going on with recruiting this year that it'll be fun to kind of share, hopefully, um, in tips and insight with all your people. Oh, that'll be great. Well, let's start just by giving a little background on who you are and how you got into the sport of gymnastics. And um, if you can quickly take us through your career, that would be awesome. Okay. So I grew up in Southern California. I was on SCATS, a team um, down there. And I was kind of handpicked to be in an elite group. And so I was elite most of my career. I didn't start gymnastics till I was 12. So very late, but did it till I was uh, 18. And then when I was a senior, I got injured. And I didn't know exactly where my life was going to go at that point. But my parents, of course, wanted me to go to college. My mom (laughs) sent out my info. And um, I told her, don't do that. I don't really know anything about college gymnastics. I'm not that interested. But thank goodness she did. And I got recruited to a whole bunch of schools and ended up at Oregon State on a full athletic scholarship. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. And there was like four elites at that time at SCATS. And we were all kind of the first group of elites that got recruited to college. Uh, I remember Greg Marsden coming into the gym and recruited (laughs) two of my teammates. And then I went off to Oregon state and I think one went to USC had a program and yeah, some went to UCLA. So it was the beginning stages. I had never seen a college meet before. Anyway, I got to Oregon state and loved it, but I, my knee was not cooperating. So I couldn't do gymnastics really anymore without a full replacement. Didn't want to do that. So I was asked to stay on a scholarship and be one of the coaches. That's how I got into college coaching. So I nice. started coaching and did that for 20 years. And so I was the assistant at Oregon State. And then I became a head coach at Cal State Fullerton. And then they dropped the program at Cal State Fullerton, which I knew they were going to do. Um, so that wasn't a big surprise. We moved back to Oregon where our kids are. And I started JH Consulting. And at the same time, I, was, I went on tour with the Olympic team 2012. So I was on the road kind of putting together this business at the same time. And then when I got back from the tour, I was full force um, advertising, getting the word out that I was 
starting this business, helping families and gymnasts uh, navigate the college recruiting process. That's so cool and so smart. <laughs> why do colleges either, well, first let's start with how do, why do colleges lose programs? Good question. So in that situation, I think they're all a little different. It's usually funding, yeah. but in that situation, the economy um, really went down. It kind of tanked, especially in California uh-huh. in 2008. And so uh, both wrestling and gymnastics were at Cal State Fullerton, but they were not within the conference of the school. So they were in like uh, big West, I think. Okay. And there was no gymnastics or wrestling in the big West so that we had to be in conferences. My husband was the head coach for wrestling. We had to be in conferences that were way outside of our conference. So the president of the university did not like that. And I can kind of understand that. Like they want one conference for all their sports because Mm -hmm. they can win titles. It gives them more prestige. There's sort of this family unit that happens. You're all in the same kind of governing body So for whatever reason, Cal State Fullerton went a different direction in all the other sports, but those two. So actually Mm -hmm. my husband got the head job first at Cal State Fullerton and they told him they were only going to keep wrestling for one year. And we took the job and moved down there. And then they asked me to be the gymnastics coach. So they were going to drop it in one year after that. And then we fundraised and kept it for he kept his program for nine and I kept mine for six. So, wow. um, yeah, I learned a lot about <laughs> fundraising. That's for sure. But yeah, that's what happened. Basically it comes down to money. Usually yep. they just have to make some, a lot of times it's a gender equity, um, issue. So if like they title nine, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. So it just kind of depends, but that's why it's super important at all the big, Uh, meetings that we used to have once a year with all the college coaches, we would always keep in mind all the programs and not just the top ones. So Uh there were many decisions that we would vote on that would be with that picture in mind. Instead of what's best for the top 20 teams, we would have to think what's best for division one, two, and three, because without them, there is no division one top teams. (laughs) So there's been years and years of discussion of what to do next and going, I won't get into all of this, but going to the final four now instead of super six program at the end at nationals is really important because of TV. So, and it being a live broadcast that will keep our sport around hopefully longer than doing the super six where it's not live anymore. And so there's not as much money coming in for it, even though it's only going to highlight those schools, but that means more publicity, more energy, more interest. So that's kind of, yeah. Got it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so interesting. Yep. Right. Isn't there a committee that's working really hard to try to create programs now at schools like University of Houston Mm -hmm. and, um, was Arkansas a, re- a more recent program that developed? Well, that's been there now for, gosh, I want to say maybe definitely over five years. Now, I don't know if they've yep. been there 10, but yeah, that was one of the more recent strong Division One, you know, SEC conference um, type schools that was added. So that was huge. But that committee has been around since I was, co- when I was coaching. So we, I was on that committee 
uh, back then when we were trying to keep schools afloat and uh-huh. add more. So we've always known as college coaches that that's super important. There's, there's talk of maybe some Ivy Leagues being added. Um, there's talk of adding more scholarships to some of the schools that can afford it instead of 12. Mm-hmm. Um, at Division One, full scholarships for, athlete, for gymnastics, they might go to 14. There's pros and cons to that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we always have to keep that going. Adding schools is really important. What is it, you know, so like with that program at Houston, what, what does it take to get, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's so close, right? Or is it yeah. really not even? I, so I'm not on that. So I don't know for sure. But um, uh-huh. that committee, obviously more, I've tried to ask questions, but um, usually um, a a the biggest thing is the money, obviously, but a facility, right. um, mm-hmm. a place for them to train, which I had heard there'd already been building architecture work being done on that. So I don't know. So that, and then of course the 12 scholarships, because if you're going to do a program, that's probably going to be a division one, I, I would think. So right. the athletic department has to have that in their budget. And then it's usually the, uh, like we talked about before the title nine, making sure that adding that many women, uh, because it's not just 12, it's usually about 18 to 20 mm-hmm. that those numbers have to pan out for the whole athletic department as a whole. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. So I went to UC Davis. Right. And I know when I went there, that was like a, D, a, a D1AA program at the time in the school because the school was a Division II school. Now the whole school has become D1. How does that change something like how that... I get, I know the number of scholarships has definitely gone up since I was there. Right. Um, But like other funding considerations and team requirements and things like that. Right. So sometimes that can be um, how far they're going to travel. So it it bumps up the budget a lot. Um, But aside from the scholarships, you might see a bigger coaching staff. Those are the two main things um, because you can Typically, you're going to want to have at least three. You can have a minimum of three, well, maximum of three. You can have your head coach, assistant, uh, two assistants at Division One, and then a volunteer coach. So D2, you might see only two coaches. And then uh-huh. some programs only have one coach and then volunteers at D3. So that's the biggest difference are your scholarship opportunities and your coaching staff and then travel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. How early do you think athletes need to start thinking about college and and what right. they yeah. What does so, that process need to be like? I I see it as two different um two different ways or ways of thinking. Okay. So if your daughter is in sixth grade and she's in the hopes program, um going to the developmental camps and looking like her trajectory might be maybe a very strong level 10 at a young age or elite, then you need to get started then because she could potentially get recruited before she gets to high school. Wow. So that I have a lot of sixth graders. um, (laughs) And a lot of times those families hire us because they just want someone in their back pocket to talk to about the, the incredible overwhelmingness of all of that, that you can imagine because yeah. their daughters really aren't ready to talk about college, but they might kind of have to. So we don't get real focused on the girl and, you know, her college decision, anything like that. We're more guiding the parent 
to guiding the child because Uh we don't want to overwhelm them. So that happens. Then you have more of the normal um, gymnast. And that would be, I like them to start by level nine with us or uh, ninth grade. So whatever comes sooner, that's kind of our mark. Um, And the reason for that, we don't start the recruiting connecting to college coaches at level nine because they want level tens, typically most of the programs. So you, you prepare, do research and gain exposure. Those three things in level nine with us. So we're picking the right summer camps. We're picking the right fall camps because those are the kind of the number one ways to get recruited. Now Um, we're getting their video platforms developed where whichever way they want to go with the website or YouTube or Instagram and all the social media. So they understand all that. We're researching schools and with them, uh, we meet about once a month and I give them a little bit of homework and (laughs) we always want the athlete engaged in the process, but I love having mom and dad on every call if possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically, we're educating, 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 and getting the athlete engaged in the process. So then when she hits level 10, if that ends up her her possibilities, then she's ready to go. Everything's laid out. The platform's there. It's not like, so instead of feeling like they're behind the recruiting process, they're actually kind of feeling more like, hey, we got this. We're in front of it. I mean, we're not ready necessarily always to talk to a college coach at that point, but everything's in order. There's lack of lower stress. It feels like a smoother process. And then it's just uh, way more enjoyable for both the parent and the athlete. Uh Mm Uh-huh. And what are the rules? Aren't there rules around how soon you're actually allowed to talk to the coaches or the program or? Yep. So they just made a big change this year. So there's no being on a college campus anymore and talking to a college coach until your junior year of high school. However, that's why they've now started these fall camps. So the way the coaches kind of got around that rule is to have all these fall clinics, they're called. So the kids can come on their campus, actually participate for a couple hours, uh, meet the coaches, uh, maybe even go on a tour, and they can't talk about recruiting, but look at the engagement that's happening. So that can happen in sixth grade, you know? So now we're back to, you know, they're still going to get to know these young kids and recruit early. And then they typically will, if there's, if that works out well and the coach really likes them, then the girl would typically call. You can call at any age and talk to a college coach. So then they start that discussion and that's how the recruiting still happens early right now. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do all the programs now run these camps? Does it act as a source Boy, of revenue? It's brand new. <laughs> um, so I, I believe I'm seeing more and more. Um, yeah. But it started kind of last year, last fall. And then this fall, I saw way more. So I think it's going to grow, grow. It's a great way to get to know kids, have them on your campus, and legally um, get that connection going without breaking any rules. So not all the campuses will do it. I mean, not all the colleges will do it, but I am. And it's not like it's a big, huge moneymaker. It's not like a camp. There's a big difference. Most of them are called clinics. They're just a couple hours. Like Utah had one this year. It was just vault and bars. So it's very short. You know, it's not meant to be a camp. There's no staying in the dorms and all of that. That's for the summer. Yeah. And is that now a way that colleges 
sort of fundraise for the programs as well through these camps or the summer camps have always yeah. been a money maker. They're uh-huh. usually an enhancement to the college coach's salary. Um, yeah, typically. So that's why parents have to be very careful. I have to say probably 80% of the time parents pick the wrong summer camps to attend. If they're (laughs) thinking about recruiting, they're going to camps. Of course, why wouldn't you to the ones that you hear about or closest to your house? And, um, that's perfect for when the kids are just gaining, you know, campus experience or, what is college all about kind of experience. But the problem is gymnasts lives are very full. You can't, some, some club coaches will only let them go to one camp a year or zero. So you don't want to be choosing your favorite because you saw them on TV or they're closest to your house necessarily, if that's not going to be the right fit for your daughter. And then you've wasted that whole summer on that one opportunity. She could have gone somewhere else. That would have been a better fit. And then it comes back to parents don't know which ones to pick. So that's where I get a lot of parents who do hire me early to help them make those decisions because it's not easy. Yeah. I feel like I would go into those camps and be under so much more pressure than to, to have to perform at my best all the time rather than just being able mm-hmm. to enjoy the camp for the camp experience. How do you yeah. help manage that with your clients? We prep for that. So when they're younger, I just say, go have fun, take a right. friend, go where you want. That's perfect. Right. Yeah. But when they're getting close to level 10 or our level 10, but even early, they should be trying to go to the ones that are the right match. And then we talk about, well, what do we want to achieve? So I have mm-hmm. this college guide. It's called, uh, I have two guides. One's to learn about and set goals to become a college gymnast. And the other one's a college campus guide. And it lists everything in it that I want them thinking about when they step on campus, whether it's going to a meet just to watch, whether it's going on a tour by just with mom and dad without any college coaches involved at all, or going to see a friend or any college campus period, doesn't even have to have gymnastics you can gain a ton of knowledge. So we talk about what to look for. Do you like the equipment? Did you like the coaches? What were the girls like? How were the dorms? Everything from A to Z and a whole bunch in between that, that most parents don't think about. Um, Because it's kind of like dating. So when you go to these camps, everybody's on their best behavior, of course, right? So I help my families kind of look between the lines and what are they not saying that's really important or what are you noticing that they're not going to point out? Because Mm -hmm. in the end, you know, we want the right match both academically and athletically. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now being in California, do you have, would you say that you're stronger on West Coast schools or do you have relationships with schools all over the country? I actually live in Oregon now. Oh, Um, yep. And nope, I do. So here's the thing. Um, College coaches, I like, I've been doing this for over 30 years. Yeah. And it's kind of a small world. And (laughs) they stick around. We all stick around. Like I did it for 20 years. So most of the coaches know me like we've been friends for a long, long, long time. So it doesn't matter where they live because of technology today. And nor does it matter where my clients live. My connections are very deep. 
And I've had definitely had to get to know more about D3 and D2 because my background was D1. Yep. But um, I've been able to do that in the last seven years. And I send out emails to all the coaches and say, this is what I'm doing. Send me everything you can about your program. I want to enhance recruiting for your team. So I have like a whole notebook and um, they all know I'm doing this. And and I'm very careful that I only bring kids um, you know, to their programs that I think are the right fit. And I think they respect that. So yeah. I have a really good relationship with, I would say 90% of all coaches doesn't matter where they live or, you know, recruiting's all the same. If they're um, interested and they need an athlete, it doesn't matter that I live here at all or right. no, it's not right. like that anymore. Yeah. Right. Oh, but I great. would say I do have deeper probably roots um, <laughs> with the Pac-12 just because that's what I was with, you know. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm a I'm a big proponent of college gymnastics. I think oh. for me it was the best time in my career. In Isn't that true? I know. I try to exude that because it's so true. It was some of the best years of my life too. Yeah. What have you learned? What have you personally learned from working with gymnasts and being involved in the sport from this perspective? What have I learned? Um, that recruiting is very competitive and very aggressive, and but it will come to you if you have the foundation laid. So it's really important that parents, especially, uh, all kids need a CEO of the recruiting process. <laughs> now I try to be that, but really it's the parent. If there's a parent involved, that's very, um, comfortable with allowing their daughter to walk through this process without knowing where she's going to end up and giving her room to, um, not to, to, to actually struggle because it's not, I would say even my elite, um, clients struggle through this process but they all need a parent. They need a support system. So we're all there. You know, I, I look at it kind of like there, there's a, there's the athlete in the middle, the gymnast, and then there's the parent, there's maybe me, there's the guidance counselor and there's the club coach. So mm -hmm. they need everybody. And it kind of is more like a marathon than a sprint. So mm -hmm. what I see the most successful kids have somebody in their back, in their support system, like a, one of their parents or both who really are just as involved, but yet give the athlete the opportunity to be in front. So they can't be writing the emails. They can't be making the phone calls. They can't be doing the talking. So it's challenging because these kids have to actually, you know, what kid goes through an interview at that age, sometimes eighth grade, ninth grade, to promote themselves, to market themselves, <laughs> to something, anything. Like, no, this just doesn't happen. Right. So there's a lot there involved. With, so they really do need that parent. And then the parent needs the knowledge. And then the parent needs the maturity to not be uh, making it even harder on the, on the gymnast because they want them at a certain school that their, their daughter may never fit into because mm -hmm. of her skill level. So it really does take all of that involved. Um, uh -huh. But that's what I've seen the most being on this side. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then do you ever, like if a kid, if they've made a decision and they're out of school and they're unhappy, do they ever come to you because oh, yeah. now they want to transfer or they yeah. realize 
How does that process work? So this is the secret side of my business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I try really, really hard um, to keep my perspective on that because I've been on the other side. You know, I know what it's like as a coach when an athlete walks in your office and is in tears and says, I need to go back home or I need to go this place, you know, and it is gut wrenching um, to have that happen. So I have so much compassion for the, the college coach. And then I have so much compassion for the athlete because changing colleges is not fun and starting over feeling like, and it's really tricky because the NCAA rules. So if they're on a scholarship and they have to get released, um, there's a process that's not easy Mm -hmm. and there's timing issues and there's, um, confidentiality, and there's perception. So like some colleges will think negatively of this athlete potentially. So we have to navigate all of that. The biggest thing I try to do is help the the athlete and the parent really work through why. Why do you feel you need to leave? Because it's not always greener, as we all know in life, on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and the other thing I try to do, so I try to stay neutral. So I don't try to jump on any bandwagon, but, um, yeah. So I navigate that with a lot of families or girls who lose their scholarship offers. That Mm. happens too. Yeah. And that's a tricky one. And I don't think parents probably realize, you know, that they're going to need help through that or that could ever happen, but it does. So I get some of those too. How, what would cause somebody to, I mean, besides like Mm -hmm. maybe injury would be the most obvious to me. Why would somebody possibly lose a scholarship if they've got the commitment? Okay. So injury, you cannot lose a scholarship for that. Um, Nope. Not anymore. Yeah. So let's say they broke a rule. Um, It could be a a team rule. It could be got in trouble with the law. Yeah. It could be they lost their verbal scholarship even before they got there because they posted something on social media. That was a red flag. Or let's say they were getting recruited, but they got out of shape. So Mm -hmm. if you get recruited as an eighth grader and then by the time you're a senior, you're you can't do the skills that you did do or should be doing to be at the level of that team. Or maybe you failed a class or two and now you're not eligible academically and you're already at the school or you're trying to still you're still uh, not even a senior yet in high school and you struggled through your grades. Those are all grounds for consideration of the verbal scholarship being removed. Wow, that's really important to understand. Mm -hmm. Especially with the process happening so early, I feel like maybe sometimes they take it for granted. Totally. That happens way, way more than you think. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Well, now I want to lighten it up a little bit. (laughs) As you know, the show is called Life in a Leo. Yeah. Do you have a favorite or most memorable leotard and why? Which one? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love that question. Um, (laughs) Because when I was at both Oregon State and Cal State Fullerton, my favorite part was designing the leotards. You know, so... um, so I have a lot, a few that I absolutely loved, but um, to, I'm not just saying this, but <laughs> re- your the leotards from your family, your company, I are my absolute favorites. So oh, thank you. Yeah, mainly <laughs> because they're unique and yeah. they're not the typical. Um, I I don't know the word that always comes to my mind is like 
standard sort of cut or things like that. And I'm kind of like that in life. Like I like (laughs) a little different sauciness, you know? So Uh that's why I think my eye was always, has always been drawn to uh, your styles. And I'm not, I'm telling you this, I would say this no matter what. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks. Well, we really appreciate it. I know my, my mom works extremely hard to um, make sure that her look feels unique and mm-hmm. polished and deliver Amazing. all of that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's funny. Wasn't Fullerton and Oregon, both Oregon state, both have orange. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you would have not to your bring favorite that color, up. Though, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. In fact, I mean, I don't mind peach or something, but uh-huh. you know, what's so funny when you're, uh, we decided to go orange because we wanted to stand out yep. and the girl. So we ordered this orange leotard and the girls ended up calling it creamsicle. They hated it. <laughs> I mean, hated it, but we stood out, you know, at nationals, we were like, there's Oregon steak. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. And then another year we did white velvet back in the day and the girls loved that one. I remember that one. Cause we tried to stay more white and black at Oregon state. And uh-huh. then at Fullerton, I tried to do more white and blue. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. cause I'm not an orange fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's <funny>. Yeah. <laughs> well, now going back to your business a little bit. Well, first we haven't even mentioned how do people find you? Good. Okay. So it's just jhicksconsulting.com and I'm on Instagram as well. Um, same thing. And um, just Jill Hicks Consulting everywhere, really, uh, or JH Consulting. You can find me on Twitter. But really, my website, um, the homepage has a video that explains exactly what we do. Um, down at the bottom, you can scroll down. And then if people are interested, they can go to the Get Started button, click on that, fill out the forms page for gymnastics, although we have seven sports um, and seven advisors. Wow. So there's lots of different sports. And then I or the whatever advisor will give them a call once we receive their forms page. Um, and we have a small package they can buy or they can buy what's called unlimited access. So I try to be flexible for people who just need a few hours. Um, they can purchase the hourly or if they want us long-term, like for two years or more, they can buy the unlimited. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and what are the other sports that you do just in case people have siblings that are, yeah. Okay. The same thing. (laughs) So we have soccer, basketball, track and field, weightlifting, weightlifting. Actually, I'm just connected through USA weightlifting and I refer them on to them. And then we have, uh, see cross country, track and field, gymnastics, acrobatics, and tumbling. We do a lot of those girls, um, soccer, women's basketball. Is that seven? Yeah, I think so. What is acrobatics and tumbling? Oh my gosh. Are you aware of that? Not, not really. I've heard it mentioned. Oh my word. It's perfect for the gymnast who cannot stand to do bars anymore. And she wants to go. uh, There's 23 colleges that have this sport and they have scholarships. They're partials. Uh, They typically start out with a small scholarship your freshman year. And then it grows to where you get a full scholarship your senior year. Um, There's uh, three, I think, division one teams. And then um, there's a lot of division two and three and, they are um, uh, wonderful, perfect for so many gymnasts um, who 
really had an injury or didn't quite get to level 10, but still want to do something in sports related with their gymnastics in college. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How do they, how do they get judged or do they compete under gymnastics rules or they have their own set of rules? Own set of rules. Mm -hmm. They have like five events they kind of do. Well, they call them events. I think they do tumbling, um, in groups, And, um, so they only have to do like a one and a half or an Arabian standing tucks, and then they do more cheer structured type movements. And then they get judged based upon like, so they have a big, uh, a person who's up really high, like a flyer. Um, so they hold them up and they have that event. Yeah. Mostly a lot of tumbling acrobatics and tumbling where they're working together, um, in lines. And oh, awesome. yeah, and different layers of, of those events. Mm-hmm. And that's really good to know Yeah, that it exists. That's, that's wonderful. A few more questions for you. So what is, what do you feel like is your biggest accomplishment in the sport? Oh my gosh. To be really honest, um, I would hope that it would be the relationships that I've had with the girls and just caring about them during some of the most stressful times of their lives. Um, I absolutely loved being there for that age group um, mm-hmm. when they're, you know, really starting to ask questions and figure out who they are. Those college years um, was was so precious. I lo- absolutely loved that. And really becoming like a family. I am amazed at how many of the girls are still, we're still very close and very connected. And I try to take that same philosophy into the recruiting business and really see each girl when they sign up as a person more than I do as an athlete first. And then uh, walking, because you're walking through so many things, through injuries and of course um, the ups and downs of coaches wanting them, not wanting them. There's so much emotion involved and they just really need that support system. And as a college coach, it was pretty much the same thing, only a little different, Uh but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I think that was number one. And then number two was just seeing the girls excel um, and hopefully giving them the right tools to be the best athletes they could be and actually achieve their dreams whether it was coaching or in the recruiting process and kind of standing back and, and just, that's just one of the most amazing things to be a part of. I remember one of my, I had, well, a few national champions, but the first one, when she dismounted off a beam at, we were at NCAAs and uh, we were in Georgia and she got a 10 on beam and uh, she tied or or I believe it was a 10 and I didn't even think that she had won it. I was just so thrilled that she hit her routine under that kind of pressure, uh-huh. knowing everything she was going through. That <laughs> I'll never forget as being one of my most favorite things. And then the guy standing next to me said, she just won the whole thing. She's going to win it. And I was thinking <laughs> to myself, oh my gosh, that wasn't even on my mind. I was just so amazed that she was able to handle the pressure and that that was her dream come true. And, you know, right. so really those are my favorites. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And what are some of your favorite things to do outside of the gym? Uh, well, I love walking. I like um, exploring. We have four grandchildren, so I love to be with <laughs> our grandkids. And just being with family, I'm telling you, nice. is the most precious thing ever. Yeah. And um, I love the outdoors. So anything outdoors, really, hiking, biking, any of that is great. Yeah. 
Yeah, my mom just came out and visited us. I have a three-year-old, and um, oh. my mom was just in New York. So I would agree oh. that family time is really special. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> and my last question for you is, what does life in a Leo mean to you? Ooh. Well, actually, I did not even know this title before uh, we started talking, and I thought it was <laughs> the most creative um, title I'd ever seen for gymnastics. So Thanks. good job on whoever thought of it. Um, but life in a Leo, it represents, I don't know, when I think of it, I think of beauty and just, you know, when you put on that Leo right before you compete and you have your hair up and you, you've worked really hard to be in front of that judge is it just means, uh, it represents like, um, something so to me, so stellar and just like, really special. Like you've worked hard, you get to put on your Leo, your favorite Leo, and hopefully you love that Leo and you get to walk out there and show what you've done and how hard you've worked. And, um, just that special moment to be kind of acknowledged, um, is the way I look at it. Not so much as the day-to-day grind as really that special, uh, end result of all the hard work. I love it. Oh, this was Mm. awesome. Jill, thank you so much for your time today. Sure. Loved it. I hope you guys enjoyed that. So much great advice. Remember, this journey is a marathon and not a sprint, so be patient with yourselves. If you want to learn more or work with Jill, you can find her on Instagram at jhicksconsulting or at her website, www.jhicksconsulting.com. I will include the links in our post on Instagram and our blog, so you can always find the information there. Thank you everyone that suggested we discuss the college recruiting process on Instagram. It's good to know there are resources out there to help navigate this major decision in your life. If you have any questions or want more information, you can reach out to me and I can try to direct you to the right people for help. You can also reach out and let us know what other topics you would like to learn more about on this podcast. We only have 12 episodes left. So make sure to let us know. You can reach me, Rebecca, at Rebecca at leotard.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope everyone has a great weekend and a wonderful Thanksgiving. Start researching those 82 schools with college gymnastics programs. Keep up the great work. And of course, don't forget to point your toes.